Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Jack Inslee, and because we don't have any more of The Last Dance, I decided to rewatch Saturday Night Live, episode 1, season 17, hosted by His Airness, Michael Jordan. It is a remarkable episode for multiple reasons. There are some sketches that are still aired today. Uh, there are some sketches that do not uh, age well at all. It's it's an interesting look at a very, uh, I'd say, hopeful time, actually. Uh, Public Enemies, the musical guest, uh, Spike Lee's there, Jesse Jackson is there. It's a, it's a worthwhile episode, and it might be one of the reasons why NBCSN is re-airing it tonight. Uh, they're re-airing a bunch of athlete episodes, and because I don't want basketball to end, I decided to drag Jack along into Michael Jordan's never-ending tour. So, uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please know that we have a Patreon account, and uh, you should give us all of your money because uh, it'd be really cool to buy some Gatorade and some Nike products and some Hanes underwear and other things that Michael Jordan might happen to endorse. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes or youmeetthemeverybody.com, you clearly know that the Patreon link is in the podcast description. If you're listening to it on Spotify, go to our About page, and the link is there. Without further ado, live from wherever you're quarantined, it's not Saturday night. Starring Michael Jordan. Now yeah, that cool. you've enjoyed 10 hours of wonderfully curated Netflix and ESPN content, how did you feel watching roughly 65 minutes of Michael Jordan, NBC, Public Enemy, SNL, season premiere, season 17 content? Uh, I didn't even put two and two together that it was the season premiere. That's oh, it a, was that's a definitely the season premiere big open right there um one of the first things I, I i my bigger takeaways was like I, snl gets a lot of flack now and people are always like it was so much better mm-hmm. it always kind of sucked <laughs> <laughs> like wasn't that actually, funny hold on i would disagree oh come on no i think that there's like a uh salad days of like early teens um there's like three year get period there where it's the best it's ever been Oh, okay. I'm not saying it hasn't had its moments. I'm just saying the experience of watching 1991 SNL was not so dissimilar from watching SNL these days. Where oh, I like, yeah, for sure. Crack a, sm- crack a smile every now and then. There's some chuckles, but it wasn't, you know. <laughs> do you want to just run through the show in order? Yeah, I do. Great. Um, because the very first thing that we get, well, there's Wayne's World. There's Wayne's World. Yeah, Party that's time. the Excellent. thing we get. Wayne's World really not that funny no and questionable humor not as progressive as it should be no uh, it hasn't aged well at all has not aged well that being said the movies have aged perfectly yeah you know i realized that this was i guess a year before the first movie came out so That's correct that was interesting yeah i don't know how much wayne's world i've seen like before the movie uh yeah wasn't that funny <laughs> No, and it's and they they don't necessarily like body shame the Demi Moore Vanity Fair cover, but it's just it's odd that they find something wrong with that. What was it? Yeah, so they're holding up they're they're, they're looking at the world's sexiest man who was Michael Bolton. No, no, who was it? Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, Jesus, that's very off. But anyway, Patrick yeah, Swayze so they made does some... yoga while he smokes, which is cool. That was a weird joke, too. They were just kind of like, yeah, he's ugly. And then they hold up the Demi Moore cover of her pregnant. And they're like, you didn't have to do that. Yes. Everything is optional. Basically, that is, is, is the punchline. <laughs> it's a weird one. 
super weird. So, so that's that, how we start this season premiere. And then we get our cast, solid cast for the men, horrible cast. cast for the women. Correct. Couldn't and, even tell you who the, the women were. I don't know if they've even gone on to have very successful careers or Victoria not. Victoria Jackson is the only one of note that is in okay. this episode. Ellen Clickhorn, but she's not even a cast. She's like a featured player. Um, she's She does a lot of the heavy lifting in this, as is every single time that there is an African-American host. They make the one African-American woman appear in most every sketch. Sure, exactly. But other than that, Victoria Jackson plays Latoya Jackson. Uh, Victoria Jackson is a current like right-wing nutso. Awesome. And then I don't know if you noticed this. It was also featuring Al Franken, Robert Smigel, and G.E. Smith. I did. Yep. Al Franken, you know, uh, former great senator from the great state of Minnesota. Uh, Robert Smigel, who you probably know, is Triumph, the insult comic dog, uh, longtime Conan contributor. Um, I ran into Robert Smigel, I want to say, no, for sure, every single night of the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. Uh, he had a press badge, and I had a press badge, so we were consistently run into each other. And seemingly no one gave a shit about the guy with the puppet on his hand except me. So I would keep, <laughs> I would keep talking to him, and he like he did not want to talk to me, but I just did because no one else cared. And then and he's uh, he, one of the he's one of the Bears guys, right? Yes, he has one of the Bears guys. And okay. uh, G. E. Smith, famed uh, conductor of the SNL band at that time, he was yeah. the uh, leader of the House band at the Republican National Convention. Whoa! So yeah, I was with all of the featured players <laughs> at one point in okay. 2016. This is deep for you then. Yeah, it was. I, I was taken back how how successful that cast has gone on to become, and we all know this. We've talked about it a lot, but you really go down those names, and it's insane. Like oh, Adam yeah. Sandler, your, you know, um, um, wh- why am I drawing blanks? Mike now? Myers, Spade, Mike Myers, Chris Farley, Chris Rock. I mean, it's it goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's amazing how unfunny so many of the sketches were, considering how many talented cast members were involved. Let's go um, to the monologue. Oh, my God. So that fucking outfit is so good. He it walks is, out, right? He walks out looking exactly like he did in the interview with Ahmad Rashad, where he's saying, I don't have a gambling problem. He looks like, I don't think he's looked better in non-black and red. So good. A green bomber jacket, these dope shades, you know, smooth head. He just he was looking really fly. It's first thing I two, thought when he came out. I'm like, this guy looks comfortable. He looks fly. It it's was one great. of two perfect looks Jordan has on this episode of SNL. Oh, okay. I'm excited to hear where we get to the second one. Um, but this is a classic we don't have a good host move, which like, well, let's just do some pre records. Smart move. Oh, okay, right. So for the opening monologue, they mm. cut to that porn bit, which was no, no, no. The porn bit's great. Porn bit comes second. Oh, porn bit is second. I'm sorry. The first one, the was... feminine product, the feminine, right. and the joke yeah. is women have periods. <laughs> but again, like that first skit hits, and I'm like, yeah, SNL's just—it's always been shitty. It's it's like that same lowbrow, like lowest common denominator, path of least resistance humor that. The writers still channel today. Maybe less problematic, but still just as unfunny. Yeah, but I did find the porn one funny. Well, the context of it was great. I did I did save that clip on my phone. I actually had to record that because it's just so good, him holding up the porn. <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan's okay, porn. Okay, so moving on. 
it's a very short monologue. I think it's clocks as three minutes, and two of those three minutes are pre-records. Were you impressed with him, though? I was impressed with him. Not at I all. was impressed with his. You weren't. No, I could, it was like, my mind, my memory has completely lied to me because I remember watching this live um, and seeing reruns of it, and I thought it was one of the best episodes of SNL. And I thought his monologue killed. What I really remember is really liking Michael Jordan and finding things like porn hilarious when I was nine years old. Well, I guess I was just impressed at how smooth and likable he seemed like the, the content itself wasn't great but i was impressed with him his he wasn't embarrassing he, he was good he you know i've seen athletes be kind of like stiff and cringy he exactly. was awesome he wasn't cringy yet nope he didn't understand comic timing at all why would he i mean we're talking about a guy who clearly is very good at reading teleprompters and doing commercials because mm-hmm. every one of these looked like him doing a gatorade spot there is a quick Gatorade joke, but and moving there's on, a Gatorade joke. Before we decided what to talk about, I was super interested in this episode because I remember it being a classic episode, and I think this is why. Why? This is the premiere of Schmidt's Gay. Ah, uh, okay. The pre-record, the Adam Sandler, Chris Farley bit where they're mocking. Um, metal videos and I think Coors Light commercials from the early 90s, late 80s, but gay. That's the whole premise. Yep. But it's one of the few commercial parodies that I think still holds up. And to me, straight white man, so I could be wrong here, I don't think it's offensive. I didn't think so either. Uh, But again, like not my place to say. Mm -hmm. I will say just immediately I'm like, I, I was like, Reminded of just how genius Chris Farley is. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been said a million times over, but it was like stark in comparison to everything else. Like this guy's so fucking good. This is one of the reasons why it's good to have an athlete host the season premiere because Jordan's not in arguably the funniest skit of the show. And this skit is, this commercial is reared countless times in future episodes it holds up because they had all summer. They brought their best ideas to the premiere episode. Mm. Okay. I hadn't thought about that. Then we, get, then we get our famous, not famous, but like the most acting Jordan does in the entire episode. Oh boy. This is the Globetrotter sketch, the Globetrotter right? Globetrotter sketch. Woo. Where the big punchline is saying blackie about seven times. Phil Hartman says blackie about, uh, more than seven. Probably more than seven. More than seven. Uh, that yeah. was that was one punchline, and then the other punchline is that racism was a big deal back then in sports. I don't, I didn't really get the whole oh, point I got of it. that. I got it. Um, it's the he's he's the first person to break down the color barrier, and basketball was super boring before African American men played basketball. That's the premise of the skit. The yeah, skit is not, the skit isn't necessarily funny. The skit also wasn't horrible either. I think with a different athlete it would have been great um Why? you put Shaq in this know, role man. you put Barkley in this role I think it is really funny yeah well both Shaq and Barkley have pretty good comedic timing mm-hmm. um Jordan definitely does not no. it's really really awkward which and makes the Phil Hartman use of the word blackie a million times so much more uncomfortable right Jordan's just kind of standing there expressionless and trying to act kind of trying to um I also noticed in that sketch that there were a lot of really lukewarm responses from the live studio audience. Yeah. There were like jokes that were set up where like the white guys are running around the ref and there was like no one in the crowd laughing. It was like yeah. pause for laugh and no one really laughed. I was like, oof. Yeah. It seemed so, a little bit like a bomb. It was. This 
well, let's move on from this up from this skit, if that's okay with you. There's not much to say about it. Cause it's it's the longest one of the entire episode. It was so long. <laughs> okay, then we get super fans. Yes, super fans. This is not the first time super fans existed. It's the first year of super fans. Super fans kicked off in January of two thousand one. Sorry, in nineteen ninety one. This is now August of ninety one. Oh, okay, so this is essentially season two of uh, super fans. Yeah, so it's a slightly different one, um, but it's still like the mm-hmm. original, like everything, mm-hmm. and crowd's hot. Yep. And we should have said that from the start. Like this is a hot crowd. Everyone wants to be there. And oh yeah, of course. Just like any Bulls game would be in New York City. This is the best Jordan skit. That is a skit. That's not a pre-record. But he doesn't do much. No, but that's okay. I have one question for you in this. This is a skit that's played often when they do like the, yeah. sport, the, the sports uh, recap episodes. And best of exactly. Farley and all that stuff. Is he wearing a Jumpman kimono? Whoa. I didn't realize that. I'm, I'm, I I need to pull that up right now. I don't think it's a kimono, but it's cut like a kimono. It's like a, it's not a Whoa. robe. It does kind of look like a kimono. What is that? It it might be I've or never, a robe or I've wow. I've never noticed this before, but it's like I can't not think of this now. So is this the best outfit in SNL? No. Well, there's a button on it, so it's like wow, what a weird outfit though. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice. Yeah, he's a weirdo. It doesn't do much say, in that sketch. He he does that half-hearted hula hoop thing at the end, but uh, which is nice. Hula. Yeah, that was that was nice. Um, I also love the racial politics in Chicago because even though uh, the Bulls have just won a championship and these guys literally performed at the rally in Grant Park, uh, when they cut away to do the inner monologues of all the men, they say Bulls probably 20% of the time, Ditka 20% of the time, and then it's just bears. It, there's still Well, that, that's the, the joke, though, right? No, I mean, it's not a joke. joke. It's not a joke. It's just like they still love the bears more than the Bulls. Um. Yeah, I, that was a skit I was more familiar with. I remember the heart attack thing. Yeah. And again, he's physically just so good. Um, so that's that a, was it was fine. I'd say that's the second best Jordan sketch. The best one, clearly, not clearly, to me, is the Stuart Smalley. Uh, now we're talking. So the Stuart, first perfect. of all, first thought, how the fuck did Stuart get a movie? Was oh, what yeah. I, I could not believe that I, I thought that was an idea I made up, and then I was like, "No, wait, he did." There yeah. was really a Stewart movie. Unbelievable. There was a Stewart movie, and there was a Pat. There was a movie. It's Pat, uh, like a year oh, apart. Yeah, uh huh. And a superstar movie too. And there, a lot yeah. of these. Anyhow, um, this is now the perfect talking, use of him. It is, and we start getting into what I'd call last dance territory. Yes, <laughs> perfect. Right? Did you did you get some of that? Because because oh, we start seeing some of the psychology of like the whole skit is built around the idea of like Michael Jordan doesn't have any doubts. Yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't question his abilities. But the idea, I wonder if this is what it's like for him now. When like now that he's been twenty years past his prime, are people like legitimately like who you you played basketball? That's nice, and <laughs> that is a reasonable thing now. Nah, not for him. In the circles he runs, I'm sure, sure, but like, let's take him to a small province in Canada, and a and a 15 year old runs into him. Does he know who Michael Jordan is? From memes, probably. All right, fair enough. But yeah, this was Which great. Is the continued greatness of Jordan. <laughs> and this is the most interesting thing they do all episode. 
they have Jordan physically walk from this sketch into another sketch. Yes. That's cool. Yes. It was cool. It was cool. It was done well. And that was uh, an interesting sketch that follows Stuart. Let's put it that way. They rarely do that. So the fact that they use that during a Jordan episode is crazy. But other than that, it wasn't. I actually didn't mind the skit at all. Skit at all. Combined with the Stuart Smalley thing, it's the most realistic portrayal of what MJ was probably dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, true. Um, it just felt a little uncomfortable, maybe because we know that he would deal with infidelity later. And also just the idea of like the gold-digging NBA groupie is such a loaded thing. I don't know. Hold, it on, was... hold on, really quick. Did Jordan... But Jordan wasn't like historically bad. He wasn't like Wilt Chamberlain, like setting records bad. He was just like no, 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 no. He was not a good guy. No, but he but wasn't. He, he wasn't, wasn't even like yeah. the top of his team. Maybe. No, no. Okay. No. And then the gold digging person, unfortunately, is a stereotype. But there's a reason. Oh, it's real. Yeah. Okay. That's therefore. I don't think it's because it it was uncomfortable because. It was that stereotype. I think it was uncomfortable because, once again, it's Michael Jordan and not Shaq or Charles Barkley. I actually remember a nightline during Magic Johnson, sorry, during uh, Shaquille O'Neal's rookie season on uh, the Magic. That's why I confused the two. And it was all about groupies trying to have sex with Shaq. Jesus. You know, so, I think you're, you're, you're right, though. If, if Shaq did the skit, it might have landed a little uh, lighter. It's just like it felt like a real simulation. Mm-hmm. I felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. for Jordan. I was like, this is hardly sketch comedy. This yeah. just feels like <laughs> it's a little too real. After that, Jordan is pretty much off the screen. He's in a few skits, but he is no longer the subject of the skit or the sketch. Oh, you are forgetting the final skit of the show. No, I'm not forgetting it. He wasn't. Oh, that's right. We'll get to that at the end. Let's talk about one of the most important hip hop groups of all time. A little bit past the height of their powers, but very, very close to it. Public Enemy is the musical guest. Yep. Which is crazy. Very crazy. Um, That was sort of, that kind of ties into my big takeaway from this. And I am certainly not the person to speak on this. I want somebody uh, else to write about it. But I've heard whispers of complaints from people that are like, Jordan never really spoke up enough about his blackness or for the black community. This was an episode of SNL, a season premiere in 91 with Jesse Jackson, Chris Rock, Public Enemy. Hold on, Chris Rock doesn't doesn't get a special anything because he's already a cast member. Okay, fine, fair. But um, so then the external, right. So we have Jesse Jackson, we have um, Public Enemy and Michael Jordan. And Spike. And Right, there we go. That was the last one. And Spike Lee. That is some powerful shit. And for what, 1991, what is Spike Lee promoting? He's promoting two things: Jungle Fever, which came out and uh-huh. did really well, and the upcoming Malcolm X. Yeah. So yeah, come on. With, with a Public Enemy performance to cap it off, I was like that. There was that was impressive. I, I you know, and I don't know whose call that was. If that was MJ saying I'll do it, but let's bring on everyone else. I, I don't know who you know what's behind that, but I thought it was good. If we learned anything today, or anything over the last ten weeks, sorry, ten episodes of the last dance, if Jordan doesn't want you there, he's not there. Isaiah Thomas was not part of this episode <laughs> of SNL. Oh my god! If only. So right, he wanted those people there, or 
endorse them by just being okay with it. Right, that's that's my point. Yeah, I don't know if it's coming from him or if he's just like, oh, great idea. Yeah, I'm down with that. But the the whole package felt powerful. Um, for its time, at least. Um, Public Enemy, interesting. I mean, just on some nerdy shit, like Chuck D's gotten so much better. He's one of these rappers who I've seen recently, um, and he's got to be fifty. Yeah, in his fifties, he's better now. He's got better breath control. He's For more sure. physically fit. He moves around a stage better. Um, so it was, it's funny. Usually, you watch younger performers and you're like, "Look at all that energy they had." I'm like, "Damn, actually, Chuck's better now." Um, but they're but still great. Public Enemy, the relevancy in '91 versus now, it, you can't compare the two. Cannot compare the two. So good. It, it's uh, only it was just Chuck D, Flavor Flav, and a DJ Terminator X. That's it. And then the amazing backdrop of every Public Enemy show since I think the start. Because I know that they still perform with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys are so impressive to watch. Yeah. And it's sort of like the most stripped down, like literally two microphones, a DJ, and that's it. And then this very minimal ephemera. It's so good, but it's still oddly better now. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, you know, there weren't many politically charged rappers on shows like SNL and I don't know how many white viewers it all goes over their head and that's kind of like the that's the juxtaposition that's the whole thing with Public Enemy with like Flava Flav doing the dance and I'm sure exactly. a lot of people being like look at that funny guy hopping up and down but totally missing all the really heavy stuff that's going on imagery wise lyrically but still I mean the image of all of them standing together on the stage at the end with MJ and Jesse Jackson and Spike Lee was fucking great did you remember the Jesse Jackson uh, part of um, the uh, Last Dance? No. There was Remind a thing me. about like Jesse Jackson was trying to get in the locker room at a certain point. We had to say no. Oh, wow. It was very, very early on. Huh. Now, I've been referring to this uh, incorrectly as an August air date. It was actually September. I want to make that very clear. And the reason mm. why that matters is because on the same day, Miles Davis passed away, and that's who Public Enemy uh, dedicates their second performance to. The last living member on Miles Davis's Kind of Blue was Jimmy Cobb, DC drummer. He passed away today. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. You know, like the most backwards way that, like, this is now a relevant episode. It's more relevant to us because of, obviously, The Last Dance, and they're re-airing this episode, and then all future, uh, or not future, sorry, all other uh, SNL hosted uh, by athlete guests on M- NBCSN the next two weeks. So, Are they re-airing matter. them in full or are they doing just like highlights? I think they're doing full because okay. they're hour-long blocks, so they're probably cutting two sketches. One of the sketches they would definitely cut is the last sketch of the show that we alluded to, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Maybe my favorite of the show. That was your favorite of the show? I don't know. I wouldn't want to see it again, but it was it was a trip to watch. Okay, what was it? So we have Michael Jordan and Dana Carvey stuck in an elevator together. Dana Carvey, just a fan. And he forces Michael Jordan to listen to him power sing the national anthem, kind of like 90s alt rock sort of style. Um, And it just goes on and on and on. And when you think the sketch can't continue more, it goes more. And uh, Jordan looked genuinely uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Like back, he wanted the sketch to end and was confused as to why it was continuing to go. Back to horrible suit Jordan, which we saw during the monologue during the feminine hygiene ad. Uh, horrible, horrible dresser. Yeah. Well, no, come on. Let's not say horrible dresser because he had some fits on this episode. And like I said, I would I would allude to my second favorite Jordan look. The second uh, introduction of Public Enemy, with along with Spike Lee for some reason, it's the second best Jordan look of the night. It's a very similar to his first look. Instead of a green coat, it's a black coat, which you could find now in most H&Ms. Yeah, true enough. He looks great. Yeah, he does. He does. So, I'm looking at it right now. You watched 10 hours of The Last Dance. You watched an hour and 10 of SNL hosted by Michael Jordan in September of 91. What did you learn more from? <laughs> the last dance we uh, i have to also stop and say that we did forget one sketch oh, which is the uh, barbecuing on the show oh, okay good continue though yeah no definitely the last dance i didn't i, I didn't learn much I, I learned how how not much has changed by watching this i guess mm. um i learned how i think once again straight away male in america maybe 37 Maybe I'm not the best judge, but it seemed that in 1991, the United States of America was slightly more educated based on the jokes of Weekend Update and the st- and the show stealer Jesse Jackson, and maybe a little bit less racist than we are right now. Don't know about the second part, but the first part, yes, there were a lot of like geopolitical jokes being made that seemed to land with the studio audience, and which suggests people were following politics and global affairs and a more serious way than they are now. Um, yeah, I feel you on that. The racist thing, I don't know. Um, because most of the sketches with black comedians have some type of black trope or stereotype embedded you like in them. like the Nat X uh, sketch? Yes. <laughs> or, I love that Or the Globetrotter sketch. Or, I mean, any of them, really. Yeah, but the, the 100% of the time, the white person is the bad person. True. So that's better than it is now. Maybe. I'm not saying it was good. <laughs> I want to make that. I'm not saying there was there was an idyllic time in America where race wasn't an issue. Not at all. I'm saying that it appeared to be a little bit less racist than it is now. Potentially. You're better at this than I am because you're not willing to even touch this. <laughs> Essentially, I do this with Haywood. I used to do this with Haywood every month, if not more frequently. I haven't done this in a very long time because we don't see each other in human in life form anymore. But it just felt like, in in a good way, that they were confronting race. And I I can't see LeBron hosting SNL again and them doing half of these sketches. I think that's fair. I think I think the intentionality was there. I think I think. Anybody involved in that episode, especially, is like, yeah, we're doing something here. We're confronting race, and I'm sure that everybody else involved, Spike to Chris to, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. Was it a less racist show then than it is now? I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. Oh, I didn't say that. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I'm saying as a world, as, not as a world, as a country, the United States of America was less racist in September of 91 than it is in... May of 2020, where the majority uh, of people uh, dying from COVID-19 happened to just be not white people. You see what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, when you think about 91, there was a lot of shit going on. I don't know if I can go that far. All right. It's a nice thought, though. It's a nice thought. 
I'm not trying to live in the past either here. I'm not. <laughs> no matter what, I just sound racist right now. I have to accept that. These are the words that I said. <laughs> Honestly, th- I think that Jordan did a better job than Rodman ever would have. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which well, is sort of disappointing. Rodman might have had some good comedic timing, though. Rodman wasn't on the first three championship runs with the Bulls. Are there any other players from that run that you think would have done well? On the Bulls or in the NBA? On the Bulls, because the NBA clearly no. the answer is Barkley. No, Barkley hosts no. two years later, and he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no way. No okay. one else in the Bulls. Hear me out. Not a player, Phil Jackson. Oh, he would be fantastic. So I, but I don't. I think it's too beneath him. I don't think. I think he wouldn't. You think SNL's too beneath Phil Jackson to host in '91? I, I do. I think he took himself kind of seriously. I don't know if comedy would necessarily be something he'd show up for. Based on Horace Grant's. Uh, camera work in the last dance. What about Horace? <laughs> yes, but nobody would have cared. But That's yes, fair. in theory, in theory, sure, yeah, because he was really entertaining in the last dance. Yes. And uh, yeah, I could see that. I would go I'll, Horace Grant number I'll one. B.J. Armstrong number two. I'm going Dennis Rodman number two. Dennis Rodman's on the squad. He doesn't count. Oh, okay. Current squad. Okay, the yeah, 91 Bulls. Yeah, then you're you're correct with those, I think. Then I go Jordan. Yeah. And then the only major reason why I want to even see that is because then Jordan would just destroy these men until they maybe committed suicide on the court. <laughs> yes, likely. Do you think that's Michael Jordan's ultimate goal at this point? <laughs> I sure hope not. Not to necessarily kill someone, but to lead them to the end on the court. Wow. That would really be the ultimate win. That would truly be the last dance. That's the <laughs> But when you want hardcore pornographic videos, remember this label. Because it's not really pornographic. Not just says Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs>